What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns? Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return, and I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Well, we're back, Saxon Jacks. I'm Tom Allen, on the board. S&P Futures, uh, we're down again today. S&P Futures down uh, 27, NASDAQ Futures down 92, Dow Futures down 213. So yesterday morning, S&P Futures during the show were up 22-ish. We closed uh, down 65 on the day, so that's 87, and now we're down another 28. So where we were, 115 in uh, turnaround since yesterday morning. That'll leave a mark, Andrew. Do we have uh, do we have uh, Mr. Lou? Yeah, can you uh, can you hear me? Our phone lines are really bad. All right, we can hear you fine, better than usual. Okay, good. Well, let's hope that let's hope that uh, that whole. Um, I called. I had a little little hiccup when we called in. I'm I'm doing well. We got about ten inches of snow out here, and well, maybe eight inches of snow out here in Denver yesterday. So uh, the ski resorts are are very happy, but on the other hand, they had to close I-70, uh, both east and west of Denver, so maybe that makes the ski resorts unhappy. Well, the one year uh, has to be, I don't know, several years ago, they had uh, massive snow, like up in uh, Steamboat, and one of my buddies, an attorney who moved out there, uh, Jim Moylan, uh, said it was unbelievable snow conditions, but most days you couldn't even, you couldn't ski out, there was snow. Yeah, um, there have been a couple of days like that. I'm I'm not sure this was one of them. I think they got 16 inches of snow at Breck and uh, in that area. So you know, a lot. But they they can groom, they can groom for that. And uh, I'll I'll hope that uh, I hope the economy is going well uh, going well up there because and all this all this snow is is good is good for uh, for Colorado and points west. Uh, what the what is the, melts this, uh, this spring. What's the insult for a lift ticket these days? A buck and a half? Oh my God! I think it's up to one seventy. That's a little rich. It's 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 crazy. Um, I I don't. I, I use Epic's military pass. Um, but, you know the guys the guys that run Breck and Keystone and Vale and a few other places, not Copper Mountain, but a few other places uh, are all under the. The uh, auspices of I think it's Vale Corporation. Yes, the they're, they're like a big monopoly. They got a bunch uh, of Midwest too. No, it's it's. It, I mean, it, they have five or six ski areas here in Colorado, and, and a few more out west. It, there's, there's plenty of options, but um, you know that that outfit is all former military guys from the 10th Mountain Division, and they're the ones that they're the ones that started the, the uh, development of that ski area up there. And so, if you're retired military, you can get a season pass for I think 120 dollars. Wow! So, and that that covers all of their ski areas in in the four or five they've got in Colorado, the ones they've got in Utah, Whistler in uh, British Columbia, and uh, uh, a couple back east, as well as a couple of European spots. It's a pretty it's a pretty good deal. I think they own Steamboat now too. 
I don't, I don't think so. But I could be wrong. I, I don't, I don't go to Steamboat. But hey, I wanted to, I wanted to lead with the jocks portion this morning uh, with this situation that's developing in the NHL of all places. Um, so, what two, three nights ago, you had uh, one of the, and I think he's, I, I think he's with the Panthers. Anyway, Russian Russian hockey player, or no, no, he's with the Flyers, I think. Russian hockey player um, who refused to go out for the skate around because they were all wearing um, LGBTQIRSTUV um, jerseys. It was a gay pride night or whatever they call it, or solidarity night or whatever whatever they're referring to it. Anyway. He said, "Yeah, I'm not going to wear the I'm not going to wear the jersey." And they had they had done something like that previously the, the uh, last year uh, with uh, putting uh, rainbow colored hockey tape on their on their sticks. And he he refused to participate on the grounds as Russian. He's Russian Orthodox, and and you know this particular belief is is not part of his uh, his ethical universe. So he he said, "Yeah, I'm not going to go out for the skate around and and wear this jersey." And and then they went on and they went on play, um, and of course this this generates a, a certain amount of uproar from the predictable circles. And I thought I would raise it because it, it gives sort of an interesting twist on the Colin Kaepernick um, situation, and and you know what what an employer can do and what an employer can't do. Um, so everybody's screaming for a bunch of the sports writers in the NHL who. who don't really understand U.S. law are screaming for this kid's head. You know, send him back to Russia. He should never have been allowed to play, etc., etc. Um, and of course, the big issue here is the fact that this is a religious belief, and as as such, it it's pretty much protected. Um, as long as it's not a, a major, you know, a major inconvenience for the employer. Uh, the kid decides I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna skate with this. The employer could try to force him uh, or, or hold him out of a the game. They'd be looking at a, they'd be looking at a religious discrimination claim. Uh, the employer, I mean, there are situations where an employer could justify something like that, but not, not this particular, not this particular issue. And uh, it's, it's a mess. Um, and I think it's roiling. I think it's roiling the higher echelons of the NHL, which have, you know, have already gone off the rails with respect to employment discrimination law, because they they have tried to hold a job fair in Florida for um, uh, you know various types of non-skating positions in, in in you know in NHL teams. But when they held the job fair, they put in the advertisement, you know. This is restricted to people of color, non-binary, whatever, whatever, whatever. Basically, making it clear that uh, if you were white, you you this, this job fair wasn't for you. And the uh, you know the, the Florida Human Rights Commission came in and essentially said uh, you got to take that down in about five seconds, or you're going to sue for race discrimination. And, and you know the NHL took it down because it was clearly it was clearly a violation. But I, I just you know I, I caused me to immediately think 
who are these guys lawyers and who are they talking to if they thought that was okay number one but but you know number two now they they wade into this issue with with uh, this Philadelphia flyer and and I'm sure that that they're trying to figure out some way to to coerce this kid to uh, to do this and I think they're I think they're gonna they're gonna have problems well why why, uh, why do anything why I mean why would you even have a day like that, just say you're, you're, everybody's, you know, we're tolerant, and that's it. I don't. Well, because this this goes to something that that I've long thought, but you know, the guy said, "Look, I'm I'm basically tolerant of anybody's beliefs, but I I need people to be tolerant of mine." And, and the issue now is not tolerance of of other people's beliefs; it's approval. And it's, not just and so, a, it's not just approval. It's a it's essentially uh, it, marketing. <laughs> yeah, well, it's marketing. I mean, yeah. I mean but I mean, I mean, the, the, the reason I assume the reason that the NHL is pushing this is it's for some kind of, of marketing issue, and and trying to diffuse criticism of the fact that you know most of the players in the NHL are are white, and, and I mean they're they're diverse from a perspective of nationalities, but they're mostly white players by a pretty wide margin. And this, I don't know why this is necessarily a problem, given that, what is it, 75, 80% of the NBA is African-American? Or yeah, or at least. 65% or 70% of the NFL is African-American? But, but anyway, this is their, this is their push. They're trying to diffuse this. And, and so they, they look at or diffuse this criticism, and so they, they come out with these tolerance nights. They can do whatever they want, you know. I mean, uh, I, I my personal opinion is, you know, go woke, go broke. But they can do whatever they want, but it runs head on into. And, and as I said, this is not just, you know, we're accepting accepting of this. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna make you approve of it. And this kid, yeah, this kid said, no, I'm, I'm not gonna do that. It's, it's well, it's, it used to be, it used to be approved. Now it's gone beyond approval. It's almost like. Uh, you oh, no, it, it, it used to be accepted. It's now approval. You I, know, I think it's beyond that. We expect we expect you to stand up and say, "Yeah, I'm in favor of this." And and this kid said, "You know, I'm I'm fine with with you know gay rights or or whatever. I don't have a problem with that. But for me personally, I'm not going to. It, it runs counter to my religion for me to approve of something like this, and I'm not going to. And and I just I wanted to contrast that you know with a Kaepernick situation where. He comes out and and does his demonstration on the field. I, under those circumstances, and and we had this discussion when it happened. I I said the employer could could discipline him for that, and and I just wanted to con. You know, I thought it was an interesting contrast that that you know the NFL did not take that, that step, which I thought was a terrible mistake. But 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 under a situation like that, where it's not protected. You know, protected category that that is the is the basis for the action. Um, the employer could have gone to Kaepernick and said, "If you do that again, you're you know you're fined, and if you do it again, we're going to cut you." Um, that they, they could have they could have legally done that with, with no problem, uh, in my opinion. I, but I think I think the um, yeah I think I think the Flyers are, would would run into real trouble. I just wonder if the NHL is going to work on trying to figure out how to deal with this because I'm guessing there are a number of players who are going to see that and say to themselves, you know, I'm not really thrilled about this whole thing either. 
and and this gives me a basis to object to it. Well, I don't, I don't I don't understand the whole episode. I mean, I try and be as open-minded <laughs> as a Southsider can be, <laughs> if that's possible. Uh, you know, but I I'll talk to people who, uh, for instance, in the economic realm, might really be socialist. Okay, and now I will uh, eagerly debate anybody any. Rock rib Republican who's convinced that what we have now is capitalism—it's not. It's crony capitalism. It's some bastardization of God knows what. But I'm still not a socialist. I think that we should we should fix what we have now, okay, before it fixes itself in some sort of a total degradation. Uh, so that's where I am. But I can certainly understand that socialism appears to be working in a few countries that have a different mindset that we do. I don't think well, it would well, work. Well, push it. Push it. Uh, a little further. Let's not say socialism, which still has some some acceptable context, but let's say communism. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, I mean, I, I understand, and, and in fact, we have very socialist pieces of our economy here. Some work, some don't. But I, I, I think we can. I mean, so I, I will. I almost feel like a Star Trek episode where the guy who was kind of like a, uh, he's kind of like a hippie. Although people don't know what that even means anymore. And he was talking to Kirk at Spock, and he says to Spock. Uh, well, you you approve, don't you? And he goes, "No, I under I said I understood. I didn't say I approved. I mean, I, I understood where some I understand where somebody's coming with, with the socialism in terms of medicine and stuff because it's pretty screwed up. Uh, I don't agree, but I but I will listen and I understand where they're coming from. But don't ask me to put I'm a socialist T-shirt on. Yeah, well, that I mean, I mean, and this this carries on into all kinds of sort of demont- demonstrations that the that the clubs professional sports clubs are asked to do so so I would contrast this with uh, military appreciation days where you have baseball teams and football teams wearing you know camouflage gear uh, especially the baseball teams um, as, as part of the you know as part of the demonstration and that's the uniform of the day and if you don't I mean could could the union or could the, the club force the player to wear that? Yes, because because the objection to wouldn't accept except if a player had say uh, like a Quaker or some other entity had a religious a bona fide religious objection to it, they would not have to wear it. But in, you know, in those cases, you probably you, you would have to wear it. But but this you know this this issue again when it runs counter. One of these protected classes, this guy is going to be able to stand up and say no. Short answer is anybody else who, who just had a political objection, for example, to to uh, wearing the shirt and saying I don't support these people, they they could be they could be disciplined. And and it, 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 again, this goes back to something I think what what is the, the fundamental element of, of your point, which is these are sporting events. Why are we getting involved in forcing people to make demonstrations of fealty to whatever? And the answer is marketing. Well, Lou, somehow or another, marketing. Somehow or another, it, it, I don't know if it's a testosterone thing or what it is, but I absolutely, you know, I, I'm going to say almost to the point of abhor this somehow combination between friggin' football and patriotism, where where the government pays for the huge American flag on the field and the and the, and the planes fly over, and they trot out the World War II guys if they can still maneuver, a few of them that are out left. The, 
football is a, is a business, it's a game, it's a brutal game, and a lot of people are making a real lot of money off it. It bears no resemblance to my dad or my uncle's service in World War II or anybody else's in Vietnam or wherever else. I mean, to me, but, one has nothing to do with the other. You understand why they do it. They do it. Sure, I understand why they do it. It's great mark. Sure, I understand why they do it, but, but going to a football game and paying 150 bucks a ticket to one of these bleeps is not patriotic. Give me a break. I don't, I don't think so either, but the displays of patriotism or martial spirit, and, and, and there, uh, there is a correlation between football fans and martial spirit, um, and there has been, by the way, there has been from almost the its uh, initiation, remind me to follow up on that, there is, a, there is a connection between that and the people who go to these games or who are fans have those kinds of feelings. So I don't want. I don't want. I don't want Joe Biden right. or Donald Trump signing a check for a, for a flag on a football on a private football field. Yeah, I mean, if you but you, you got to the reason you got to accept that. Well, I got to accept it because it's happening. But no, no, no. The reason you got to accept that is because we don't have a draft, Chief. If we had a draft. The NFL wouldn't, or the uh, the uh, you know, Department of Defense would not be out there trying to recruit people. They would be just saying, "You got to go," and they would they would not be spending mega bucks. I'm going to say the people they're looking to recruit cannot afford 150 bucks for a ticket. Um, maybe that's true, but that's not who they're aiming at. They're aiming at the guys who are watching the games. Okay. They're not necessarily aiming at people in attendance. All right, I mean, I. I, uh, I you know I, I sort of get it. I'm just saying. I mean, the reason why I'm a little frosty about this is, of course, it's so bizarre that the Republicans now are bitching about the uh, the debt limit when 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 when, uh, when Trump wanted to raise it, the Democrats were bitching about it. So, I mean, it's uh, yeah. Just push push that off the side. Let me finish my thought on football and Marcus. Yeah. So so I have a I have one of the books in my library. It is a a collection of Judge Advocate General Core uh, legal opinions. From the nineteen, I think it's nineteen seventeen. Is Catherine Bell's picture on the front? <laughs> Catherine Bell is not a jag. All right. Thanks. She's just an actress who looked in a uniform. And every time I say the word jag, you instantly flash back to that image, and I don't know why. Well, you ever, you ever, you ever see her? <laughs> <laughs> it's either her or you. <laughs> How long has that show been off the air? It's. What do you mean? The reruns are all over the place. Well, anyway. <laughs> This this opinion this book it's a book of legal opinions written by the Judge Advocate General of the Army, and in the book is a is an a uh, an opinion that says football injuries and it, that are that are that are uh, that occur during you know recreational play by soldiers are always to be considered in line of duty injuries because football promotes a martial spirit and physical courage. That is perfectly in keeping with army values. Now, you know, 1917 is 12 was 12 years away. I think Roosevelt was going to ban football in 1905, maybe 1904. Uh, it was later, Nick, because Notre Dame was already playing. I think. No, no, no. I think it was the early 1900s because they had had they had it was, it was like 03, 04, 05 because they had had like like five or six fatality in, in college football that year. It happened. Again, it happened again in the twenties because I think Rackney was a testifier at Congress or something. Well, it, it you know it, elimin- it resulted in the elimination of the flying wedge and some other stuff that they were doing. But the the point was the, the 
for, for as long as there's been football, there's been an identification with the, these values that the military, the military treasures, and and so that this marketing program that you just you and I are talking about go hand in glove with with you know the Defense Department, and it's been that way since football came on the scene. Yeah, all right. I'm just saying it's football. Oh, I know, no, no, I know. But I mean, you, and you object to you object to spending money on this stuff. But the short answer is, if, if you want a recruited force rather than a drafted force, you have to accept the marketing of, of you know DOD. I, I I get it. I just uh, as as we go through this Bear Stadium fiasco thing and how what they're trying to get out of, so the new guy comes in and says. If we can work out the tax issues, which means they don't pay any tax, really, right? <laughs> that's what. It, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. the tax issues are worked out. You, you yeah. have to pay zero. We take all of it. I yeah. mean, are, are we really? Are we really? I don't know. Somehow, is is I'm getting older. I get insulted by this. This is just for for everybody's edification. This this is for the stadium on the side of the old racetrack. Right. 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 Which now, but now, not only that, we have to. Would they want us to us? They want us to give them a casino because, after all, why not? I mean, they need, they need it to make it work. They're uh, going to put a casino next to the football stadium. Well, that's all part of the you know, it's all part of the drill. Are you kidding? Well, I mean, they 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 they're asking for everything. <laughs> I mean, and the NFL. So so nobody's gone to the Bears management from the NFL and said. We don't think it's a good idea to what have is, gambling, a gambling operation right like the football stadium. Lou, I think you need to get get back here to Chicago from wherever the hell you are because there, there's going to be a DraftKings booth in Wrigley Field. Holy cow! Yeah, this is this Boy, is I all mean, this is all the rage. Cool. I mean, when why why just you know you, where you can go in there and, and why you know everybody in the stands is is betting on the next well not everybody. Betting on the next strike on their on their phone, why not have a lounge and <clears throat> be able to drink in there and just you know gamble there? Why not? What's oh, the difference? How long? I mean, I mean, I I think I, we can talk about Spygate here in a second because I think that relates directly to this. But how long do you think it will be before there is a major gambling scandal? What do you think there already? How much do you think there already isn't? There hasn't oh, no. been. I think it's already there. But how long? I mean, before we find out about it. Well, maybe they're pretty good at. I mean, the whole concept of I, I don't, I don't get the idea that uh, you know it, somehow or other people, when it becomes their money, people somehow change. I mean, in, in certainly in my lifetime, if you were if you were even seen in a casino in in Vegas, you were you were suspended, right? Or if you were if you consorted oh, yeah. with a gambler, well, do you have to consorting with known gamblers? Oh yeah. yeah. And but I now think the NFL still gives that lecture every year. Well, and they and they suspended. They suspended that coach from um, was it Arizona, who who the NFL uh, coach from Arizona, assistant coach, because he had bet on um, he bet on he, he, I can't, can't remember if he bet on football games. He did not bet on his own team, but but he was he was placing bets with sports books. Well, but the idea being is is if you <clears throat> if you uh, you know I haven't gone into these new systems, but hell, <clears throat> you're 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 bookie at the bar. If you go to a uh, you have to walk into living room, and if you if you walk out to a uh, you know a place in Las Vegas and you put hundred bucks down on the Bears, why why ever do that? I don't know, but if you did, I guess I don't have a problem with it. You're putting up the money, but that's not what people do. They they run into debt with these people. They, it's, oh, all, no, it's, it's all it's all on that's credit. The whole, 
that's the whole point of being able to do it on your phone. I mean, I mean, I I can't. So uh, even even that's not as uh, <clears throat> it's not as bad as uh, a known baseball player or football player. Which, by the way, people have done allegedly. You know, I mean, there's names that are rumored that have you know two and three million dollar debts with Caesars and places out in Vegas. Oh, I, I know. I well, know. And, and those are the people. I, I just I'm just wondering. So so I'm not talking about you know players as a sort of generic DraftKings kind of bets on horse races or something. I'm talking about a a major scandal or a, a scandal where somebody is working to fix or affect the outcome of a game in which they are participating because of gambling. And well, when is that going to happen? I mean, the NBA had that happen with that official back, what was it, 15 years ago? Well, why does it even have to be a player? What if uh, if instead of... Uh, well, that was that was the case I just described. That was an NBA ref who, who was, who was sh- um, shaving calls to and, and altering calls to affect the point spread in, in NBA games, and that I mean that was I think that was proven. Well, what what if you're what if you're one of the, suppose you're Jimmy Johnson? I don't think he does this. We got to go to break, but he's on he's on the halftime and he goes, uh, "Gee, for this game this afternoon," because uh, they talk about the points now all the time on TV. What if he goes, "Oh God, the the Bears minus you know given ten is the best bet I've ever seen." Well, maybe maybe some some gambling place got to him, and they're they're uneven on the other side, and want to even it up on the Bears. He could do that. Oh, I absolutely, I absolutely think that that happens. And I, again, I hearken back. I've described this before. I hearken back. Let's uh, save it there for a break. But SP yeah, Futures yeah. down thirty one. Futures right. down ninety five. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. 
Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Hello, welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Alejandro on the board. SP Futures down 31.75. Nasdaq Futures down 98. That's a long way from where we were yesterday morning. Uh, Dow Futures down uh, 253. Dow's been down, it'll be over 1,000 points in three days. It was down 350 on Tuesday, 400 yesterday, and now we're 250. Of course, we could turn around today like we did yesterday. I mean, <clears throat> doesn't look like it right here, but it might. Over in, uh, over in Europe, we've got the... Uh, DAX down 239, it's 1.6%. Europe has been quiet, not today. FTSE down 81, 1%. CAC around down 107, 1.5%. Uh, the stock 600, which is all of Europe, is down over 1%. <coughs> we have, this uh, is a way of review yesterday. Again, the major turnaround, Dow down 613, S&P down 62, NASDAQ down 138. Over in Asia, we have the uh, uh, Nikkei down 385, 1.5%. Hang Seng only down 20 <clears throat> 27, 21,650, still over 21,000. Shanghai actually up 15 points as China seems a little bit immune to this. Uh, Bonds 10 year up 1 to 339. <clears throat> We've got the, the Bund up 7 to 207, so it was looking like it was going below 2, it's not. Uh, Japan uh, 0.40 was up to 0.59 on Tuesday morning. We've got oil uh, down 48 cents, under 80 bucks again, $79. Rent down 38 cents, 84.60. Natural gas down five cents, three, up five cents, 3.36. Our bob unchanged, 2.52. We've got gold up 4.70, 4.70, Silver down 11 cents, 23.53. Copper down four cents, 4.18. We've got um, crypto. As Jamie Dimon says, it's all big fraud. Uh, but it's still only down 18 bucks, 20,752. So nobody's listening to Jamie Dimon this morning. And we have the U.S. dollar down a little bit again with the your. your uh, the euro at 108, and we got the pound almost at 124. Uh, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Andrew, are you there? Whoop, whoop, there we go. Am I on? Yes, you are. All right. <laughs> it is January 9th. you got to press the button opening up your mic, I think. Even though I don't know work that thing. Yeah, yeah, normally it is just the slider, but today it was the slider and the button. So this is. I blame your buddy Matt. Yep, yep. As long as it's not my fault, I'm good with that. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, let's see. It is uh, uh, January 19th right now, and it is uh, 6.37 a.m. 
Uh, starting off with sports uh, tonight, the Bulls are going to be playing the Pistons at 2 p.m. And the Suns are going to be playing the Nets at 9 p.m. And that's a bit for uh, basketball. Over to hockey, uh, the Blackhawks are playing the Flyers tonight at 6 p.m. And the Coyotes are playing the Capitals at 8 p.m. Uh, now over to weather in Chicago. It's currently at 39 degrees. It's cloudy, rainy, just okay out there. Uh, but it's it's not snow and it's not below zero. Yes, exactly. So we take what we can get. Uh, but it will be lowering to about 32 by about 8 o'clock or so. So it's going to get colder today. Um, over in Phoenix, they're at 40 degrees. Skies are mostly clear. And they're going to be raising to about 59 in the midday. Uh, let's see. For traffic, uh, just one major thing to report. Uh, out on the Dan Ryan, an earlier stall has been cleared. However, the delays behind it are very heavy and sticking around. Uh, so if going inbound on the Dan Ryan, expect delays from about 87th Street to 1115th Street. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Um, so, Lou, we have uh, we talk about marketing and stuff. Uh, stuff that's going on in the, in, the, in the market is really bizarre lately. When you see Yesterday, a couple of the Fed people came out and said, uh, oh, by the way, we, we're serious about this rate increase. And then you'll hear a whole smattering of a whole week of people saying they're not serious once we go into, the, once we go into this uh, recession. They're going to start cutting rates so much, down to 1%, and the market will double again. And, it, and then the Fed comes out, ah, oh, no, we're serious. Then we get on the other way again. It's, and the, the interesting part is when, when people, it's, it's, it's sort of on the same argument as the, uh, uh, you know, foot, football and, and, and sports, but uh, not exactly the same. I mean, I'm not usually, I just pay attention to him a little bit, but uh, just because he's on all the time. I mean, Jim Cramer comes out and says, market is in a period of consolidation getting rid of weak-handed investors. Um, I remember, Lou, when I used to play a lot of poker as a child or as, as a young man, and my parents as played a, a lot child. Well, I love it. Well, I, I, I learned how to play when I was like I know, six. I don't know about a smoke-filled room, but I was pretty good at poker at age 12. But I don't, I don't know how to play Texas Hold'em or anything like these other guys are really good at it. I never got to that level or anything like that. But anyway, but I remember my parents, our family gambled all the time was be, you know, before people watched TV. And, and people would make a statement like, you know, you, the, the, the limit might be, you know, 50 cents and somebody would raise to a buck and somebody would say something like, Time to get the shoe clerks out, or some 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 disparaging comment to people who, who sell shoes, meaning that they were of, of weak hands, of you know, weak, no testosterone kind of people. Get them out. Uh, well, it's one thing in, in, a, in a in a neighborhood poker game. It's quite another when you're talking about on national TV to say when people have been absolutely eviscerated by stocks that people told people to buy at any price. Now I'm talking Amazon. I'm talking Microsoft. I'm talking Tesla. And these things were, were I, you know, I talk to people that are down seven figures in these stocks, you know, and I, I don't know. I have these conversations all the time. Do I think the U.S. economy will eventually bounce back? Yes. Do I think that people want to essentially be owners of stocks at some point and maybe even now? Yes. Um, there's a, a whole list of things you could quiz me on the stand. But does that mean that somebody who bought a stock at 300 and is down most of their retirement money and stuff because they watch TV and listen to people buy these things decides when they've gone from $3 million to $1 million in their retirement account to get out, am I going to accuse them of like basically having no balls? No, no, I'm not going to do that, Lou. It's not, it's not, it's not about that. These are real people. And these, real, these losses are very, very real. We're talking trillions of dollars in the top five or six stocks. 
you can't just say anybody who wants out is weak-handed. I mean, come on. Well, oh, but but that's back to our previous discussion, and and I I don't need to finish the thought that I had at the end of. Go the ahead, event. yeah, go ahead. But to go back to our previous discussion, if you look at the stock market as essentially gambling, and that's what this mindset is, then then you you look at the investors as basically gamblers and say, "Hey, man, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen." These and, the stock market has turned into something. A, you know, it, it's a I, I think it's an I think it's an unserious way of looking at, at the market and looking at people who invest in it. But you can't deny that there is that gambling element in in the, the, the stock guys who play the stock market regularly and I'm convinced that's who's watching these shows. Well there's no doubt about that, but here here's 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 the rub, I think, and there 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 was a I mention this often, uh there was a deal made between I don't know between who and who, between government people, businesses, or something. And the, the deal was, uh, we're not going to have firms uh, essentially take care of your pension stuff. There's not going to be a pension plan like Pullman had. There's not going to be a pension plan like Steelworkers had. There's still some around, but they're, they're way less than... I, I challenge you to try and go to work for a company that has one. I mean, you might go to... Maybe UPS still has one. Maybe John Deere. I mean, there's a few, but not very many. And... uh now the only place you see stuff like that now are in unionized workforces. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so anyway, you, 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 so the deal was that you're gonna you're gonna get this four hundred one k. You're gonna put money up, and by the way, your firm hopefully will will match a little bit. So if you got a firm that matches fifteen percent or something, that's great. So you get in there and you're supposed to save this money up yourself for your retirement. Now you got Social Security, but it's not enough to live on. We know that. So you get this money in there, and oh by the way. You should be able to do this safely if you're just a very conservative person. You should be able to make two and a half, two seventy-five, three, three and a half, depending on the market at the time. You should be able to do that on risk-free rates. All right, and and, and if you want to, if you want to go out on the on the on the on the plank a little bit, you can do some stocks. You can do some longer-term bonds. You can do whatever. You can you can go into some company bonds, or you know, and maybe you can make six percent and hope the company doesn't go under. Most companies don't, obviously. So you, you can you can extend this out if you wish, but the deal is if you don't do any of that stuff, you're still going to make if you got a million bucks, you're going to make thirty thirty thousand a year, plus twenty grand in Social Security. If you have your house paid off, you're going to be able to live and you're going to be able to buy a car every eight years and get the roof done once in a while. That that's that's the deal that was made with American people, I believe, Lou. Now all of a sudden the Fed decides to help out the few, and, and well, we're going to drive this interest rate down to like zero, so you're not getting a dime. And every buffoon on TV is talking about, well, the Fed is forcing you out on the risk curve. That doesn't mean that your dad, if he was still alive, belongs in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, you know, a high, a, whatever, a, a technical market portfolio. If he's 75 years old, it's the only million dollars he's got. You, you can't force somebody in there. And that's, that's one of the reasons why, to be perfectly blunt, why my business degraded for a while. Now, of course, it's picking way up. Uh, because I refuse to do that for people. No, you're you're not a candidate for ninety percent of your money, and, yeah. and, and so people just didn't want to want to talk to me. But I mean, you, you just be if somebody's eighty years old and not working. I don't care what the market does; they don't change. But but obviously, everybody else, all the big guys in the suits on TV, were saying I was wrong. You know, but the fact is, I never did that with anybody, and, and, and a lot of people left. To be perfectly blunt, well now the phone's ringing way more. You know, but the point is, Luke. How can where where did we get this idea? I mean, why why is 
every man forced into the market here. It's been forced to market because they can't go down to the black and get 3% in a passbook. Or now you can. You can go with the Fed and get 4.6. We got a lot of people doing that. But, but in, in six months, but, but I mean, why, why do people forget the story here? Why, why, were, why for 20 years has a risk free rate been zero? Why should I give my money to anybody for nothing? Well, part of the reason, I suspect, is because the guys that you're talking about that are on TV saying do this or do that are trying to get clicks or eyeballs. And so the kind of investment you just talked about is boring and it's not exciting. And it doesn't give you something to talk about at the golf club, you know. So they they promote as part of their their pitch to get people to watch them. They promote exciting stuff, and and we're, now we're back to gamble because well, if you throw your money into a tech stock or, or into a new business, um, it, it does give you something to talk about at the golf club. But it's also you know there's an aura of you hey you're one of those devil may care fellows. Who's out there, you know, taking risks in the marketplace and, and willing to accept this kind of thing. And that, for better or worse, a substantial portion of, of the population says, I want to be that guy. Well, there's a big difference between somebody, I mean, first of all, nobody loves to trade more than me. I spent 20 years in the OEX pit, for God's sake. If, if, if somebody has a million and a half and we can totally patch their whole life future together, with a million four, and they want to trade more aggressively to hundred thousand, I'm their guy. But not not all million five. Well, that, that's the that's the kicker. I mean, I mean, you want to be able. People have to be able to to balance this stuff in their heads. But for a lot of them, they, they don't. Well, you had no choice. I mean, I mean, when what what would convince? We had this discussion about a month ago. What would convince a rational person to throw? A significant portion of their life savings into crypto. Uh, getting zero that? at the, getting zero at the bank is a big starter. That that's right. I agree. But but you know, as you said, there are other investments other than you know basically conjured money. You you uh, crypto. If 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 it's going up and you're not in, you feel you left you left out. That, that's the that's the point. And that's that's the issue. Everybody wants to be a guy. That you know, on the crest of the wave, and, and it's reinforced by the people on TV because then you need to reinforce it to get eyeballs. There's a letter. Remember, you know what? God, I always forget the guy's name. Who's the guy who did the Civil War series? Ken Burns. Ken Burns. He did a wasn't. I mean, I don't. It was only a, a few episodes, but he, he did a thing on the stock market crash, 29. And uh, of course, he, what he does, how he finds him, I have no idea. But it's the thing that drives home so much of his stuff, whatever it is, it's about baseball, Civil War, where all the letters written by people at the time. But I always found those poignant. How's that for a word? It's, it's hour in the morning. And, and in the stock market crash, there's this guy writing to his dad. He says, Dad, you're basically busting your ass every day working. And, uh, and, and, you know, and you made, whatever, 40 bucks last week. Well, if you put your money in the market, you'd have made 80 bucks for doing nothing. And what are you doing? I don't want to see you basically busting your ass every day for, to make a dime. I want you to be like everybody else, just put their money in the market. You know, this was, the, this was the, the mantra in 29, if you even knew what the market was. It was only, despite what everybody says, every shoe clerk, every shoe shiner was in there. In fact, there's only 7% of the population was in the market in 29. Now, nobody, you would never let one of the facts get in the way of a good story that everybody was in. Maybe the, every terrible, the terrible thing, Chief, 
was that the guy earned 40 bucks a week, his dad, was putting that 40 bucks in a bank. Yeah. He lost that, too. Yeah, well, he probably did. Yeah. That's the terrible, that's the terrible aspect of that story. You got crucified coming and going in that, in that horrible, that oh, yeah. horrible crash. Well, hey, uh, Lou, what, I'm going to shift gears on you, too, and you might not even be up on it. What is the story with this Alabama thing? This kid involved in this shooting, and the, the, the school came out with the lamest thing the other day. They said, uh, wait a minute, we have people all the time coming in to talk to people about behavior off the team. I mean, what do you mean you have people coming in? Where do you, where do you hire somebody to come in and tell a 20-year-old how to behave? If, if you're the coach, aren't you supposed to know character before the guy even gets there? No, you can't. No. Well, first of all. A little bit. We've talked, we've talked about character. There isn't a coach, especially in one of the big five programs, or in the pros. There isn't a coach alive who doesn't believe he can make or she can make the difference in this kid's life. That's number one. Number two, these guys, that like the kids that were involved in that shooting, are coming out of a culture that I think most of their coaches... Are, are just so removed from by virtue of age and whatever that they really don't have a, a clear understanding of, of you know, what is is going on outside the outside the auspices of their clubs. And in fact, in a lot of cases, they don't want to know. And and number three, you know, uh, the short answer is until you. Try to turn you. You start forcing people to be quote student athletes unquote, and I think that's the fix. You're going to have guys that are there who are are basically participating in what they know is a dishonest exercise. You know, education. They're not there for education. They're there to they're there to get exposure, and this this is going to lead to the kind of stupidity that that you see in this in this case. I, I mean, they're calling it capital murder. Uh, it sounds more like manslaughter to me, but but you know they were involved. They were involved in in uh, some you know boy girl altercation, and you know a, a bunch of a bunch of you know young men carrying guns, and and it, 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 it let's just start shooting, and that's that that's the mentality that I don't understand. But it is the mentality that comes straight off. I mean, if you, you don't need to go to Alabama to see that. You can watch that on the south side of Chicago every friggin' night. Well, but I mean, the the idea of him turns out now the kid after said he was purer than Pharaoh's wife. Now he he provided the gun. Now is that gun been sitting in his dorm room for three years? Sure. Well, that that's not acceptable. <laughs> I don't well, think. I mean, I mean, so so again. This goes back to this goes back to what does the coach know and how much does the coach want to know? I mean, if they were if they were smart and they really wanted to put an end to this, they'd bring dogs in and they'd run a, they'd run sniffer dogs through the dorms and they'd pull out all the drugs and they'd pull out all the firearms and then they'd discipline people for that. But they don't want to know that. No, no coach, no coach wants to be on the receiving end of a headline. You know, on a, a, a snap search discovers 43 firearms in, you know, in, you know, the dorm. And I, I you're going to, we're, we're headed to a place where even if, even if a coach wanted to do something like that, it would be considered discriminatory 
because of the impact that it would be perceived to have on uh, you know minority players on the oh park. sure without a doubt and so and so you know what what what's the answer the answer is I think if there is an answer don't recruit don't recruit guys coming from cultures where this kind of, of behavior is is encouraged it, it, because even if you get the guy who who's immune to it you know the other people that you're going to bring in from from those kinds of programs are are going to infect everybody else. Well, Lou, I my biggest fear with this happening because I mean, is, is this? I mean, I'm not an expert on what happened down there, but the bottom line is, evidently, this kid gave the gun to the guy who walked over yep. and started shooting. And of course, the people in the other car were armed too. They they just driven there. The, the ladies, you know, I mean, she seems like a nice enough lady, but she got a five year old, of course, being taken care of by her her her, her parents. And she's right, and, and I don't even know if she knew that the guys she's riding with are armed to the teeth. So of course it becomes a shootout. I, I mean, the, two things I, I see here, Lou. I mean, I'm, I'm going back to the Chicago situation, and I know, you know, I'm, I'm sure no expert on law and order, but it seems to me that that I'm, I'm afraid of a bunch of things. One is that uh, you know the minority push and shove where we've got too many minority people in jail. Blah blah blah. I also know that when I get on the Dan Ryan uh, and, and people fly by me 100 miles an hour in blacked out cars, windows without even license plates, I'm going to say 90% of them are black. Now, in, in my area, if I look at people blowing through stop signs and not caring if they throw anybody over, they're white people <laughs> it's SUVs. I mean, it, it, I, I don't know. That, I'm just observing. I'm not. And, and by the way, if you, if you want Stevenson on a, on a Saturday night and you see 30 guys on motorcycles go by you at 100 miles an hour, they're likely to be Hispanic. So I'm, there's no, I'm, I'm just observing. I'm not, but the thing that... If, if you're a coach, if you're a coach and you recruit guys, you know, I mean, this was the, this was the, this was the knock on Duke. And this is one of the reasons why everybody was down on Duke for a long time. Because Krzyzewski said, I'm not recruiting players from programs where they weren't serious about academics and where they weren't serious about, uh, you know, playing by the rules. Now, that loosened up a little bit. A lot. I, I'll never. Well, I mean, it's. I don't think. I don't think there's any dispute that some of the players that he brought in were doing things that the Duke program did not know anything about. Well, or, or didn't want to. But I mean, when's the last guy? The last guy who spent four years there is who? Elton Brand, and he's retired. Well, I'm, no, no, no. I mean, I'm. I'm. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the guys they bring in. For example, Zion Williamson apparently was involved in all kinds of backdoor negotiations for payments and stuff, not involving Duke, but involving other schools. And and you know, NIL is going is only making this worse. I, I but I, if you recruit kids who come in from a certain high school, certain high school programs where they, you know, they're only there to play basketball and et cetera, et cetera. If that's what you're bringing in, you are going to have culture, you know, issues, and and no coach is going to be able to recruit effectively if he gets the reputation for being the guy who says you can't be out after eleven o'clock at night. Uh, I'm going to put a curfew on because nothing good happens after eleven o'clock at night in a college town. You can't be out after eleven o'clock at night. You can't. You, know, you got to go to class. You, you if, if we're going to we're going to run snap inspections in the dorms, and if we find dope or or uh, 
uh, nuns, you're off the team, you, you get a reputation for being that guy, and you can't recruit anymore. Well, in my, my concerns, Lou, is it, and I'm surprised it hasn't happened already, to be honest with you, there is a certain amount of fear in some of these big cities. I mean, all, it's all over the place. It's not just Chicago. That and Right now, we're, we're the, the people running the game appear to be the people that say these people really aren't bad people that are shooting people. They need, you know, they didn't, they didn't get enough free lunches or something. Uh, someplace, somewhere, I think the rest of society is going to figure out, and they always have. You read history, Lou, you read history more than I do. They always have, they're going to say, enough. There, there's going to be a day when on the Ryan, I mean, my, one of my buddies from school, his wife got shot. Nobody cares, right? Nobody cares. But someday, somewhere, and whatever it is, it's just like a, a change in the market. There's going to be something so egregious that people say, "I got this. Is, this has to stop." And there's going to be somebody with either a toothbrush mustache or somebody like Mussolini is going to say, "I can stop it." You might not like my methods, but I'm, I can stop it. And you know what? Some I, I'm, I fear that more than I fear now. People are not going to put up with this crap forever. Nobody is. I mean, I, I, I'm ready to, I, mean, I would never vote for somebody like that, but somewhere along the line, this is going to happen. That the do-gooders from on far are just going to say, no, you got to deal with it, it's really not that big of a problem. By the way, I've never been in the city. Okay, well, the hell with you. I mean, somehow, somewhere this is going to change, Lou, and I, I'm, 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 afraid more, I'm afraid more of the backlash than I am even what's happening now. Am I totally nuts on this or not? Well, I, I'd like to know what's, what's going to change it. You have a population in Chicago that's basically being terrorized by by a significant, you know, small but significant number of, of shooters and thugs, and you've got a de- you've got a, a Commonwealth attorney or a state's attorney, sorry, who who is, wants to zero out bail so that the minute these people get arrested, they go right back out on the street again. Uh, that's and, that's and, and, actually, that's and, actually probably not going to happen. It's probably going to be the opposite effect, but. Well, well, I'm just saying, yeah. you've got... No, no, no. She, she's been doing that. There, there are at least 50 or 60 cases within the last 18 months of guys who, who used guns in crimes or who beat people half to death who immediately were back out on the street I don't and deny that. to kill somebody. What I'm saying is, this will my, not my go... Point, my point is, you, the city is getting... The, the people of the city of Chicago are getting the government they deserve. They uh, they ask for this. They vote for this. I didn't, so I I didn't know vote what for these the people. Short, I don't know what the, the short term solution is. That, the, the, the people of Chicago are not voting for a law enforcement candidate. I don't it think I don't think the people in this country, even though they voted for Trump and voted for Biden, deserve that at all. Either one of them. Sure, they do. If you don't come out, if you don't come out and vote, That's, in the but I mean, you can't. You can't, I mean, as a long-term solution, I'm sort of with you. But a short-term solution, you can't do anything. You can't do anything. It's like, it's like, it's like firebombing Dresden, thinking they could go get Hitler out of office. Uh, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying that in, in, in this situation in Chicago, in Philadelphia, in New York, in L.A., in San Francisco, in Seattle, you're, you're getting the government you voted for. This is not a surprise. It, it should not be a surprise to anybody that that the DA in San Francisco, who's no longer there now, um, basically wanted to stop arresting people as long as they stole less than a thousand dollars. He campaigned on that. You know, he said, "Look, we're not going to put as many people in jail 
That's my goal. Well, my I mean, goal I, is I, not I, to take criminals off the street. My goal is to not take them. Okay, but I, I, we, we need to, we'll, we'll finish this next week. If we know someone a week and finish it, but I, I can, see, I try and see all, all, all. I don't want anybody who's a danger to anybody on the street, Lou. You know that. You know you've known I me do. forever. But I also know that somehow or another, we have more people incarcerated in the U.S. than like every other country on earth combined. Just throwing people in jail with a bunch of other thugs with no education, no nothing. When they come out, they still can't get a, have a livelihood. That's not the solution either. There's got to be well, something else. I, I'm not. I'm not worried. I'm not worried about those guys. I'm worried about. I'm worried about the guys who shoot. Let's start. Let's start with the bad guys. Oh, I, I don't, I don't disagree. Well, what they're doing, uh, Illinois has draconian laws regarding guns. So guess what? Everybody who carries a gun now is under under seventeen. The other oh, guys. Uh, well, I uh, know. Um, and, and and they don't enforce. They don't enforce the law when they when they. Well, yeah, because because how much can you do that a sixteen year old carrying the guns when you know the other two guys are the two people that are guilty? I mean, it's it's it's, it's a big mess. Let's talk about it next week. SP Futures down thirty five. Nasdaq is down one fifteen. Are you going uh, skiing, or you got to go over Loveland Pass? That would be a trip today. If not, it, not this weekend. Not with what, not with that mess up there now. It'll it'll probably be a couple of weeks. All right, bud. Take care of yourself. We'll be right back. Stacks and Jacks. Russell Rhodes. Not Russell Rhodes. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now.
Welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 34, NASDAQ Futures down 109. A sure difference in tone from yesterday morning when we were riding about a three or four day increase and we we're up 22 in the spoos. All of a sudden we turned and now we're way down. Do we have Mr. Dan? Dan, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. Um, I know I'm going to get about 100 phone calls today. Did Dan call in from Davos? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the jet is um, is is uh, already warming up for my return my return trip. <laughs> <laughs> I I can I can see a guy like you over there hanging at the bar. Maybe for the skiing. <laughs> Maybe for the skiing. It's a uh, how many of these guys you think ski over there? Not very few. <laughs> very few. It's a. Uh, are they having a? I don't know. Are they having a snow year like we are? I mean, everybody's skiing here. Of course, Lou says this morning. You can't get to the ski resorts. The Eisenhower Tunnel's closed. It's got so much snow. Yeah, and I know in New England it's the other other way around. They've had, they haven't had much snow at all up there. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure. So, uh, hey, I have a bunch of questions for you for the the new year, but they kind of zero in on, uh, well, uh, what's Dan's opinion of where our short and long-term rate's going to be six months or a year from now? Of course, if you knew the answer to that, we'd all be. But what is what is your opinion? I mean, Long-term rates continue to sneak down. I mean, Europe almost went back under two percent on the ten-year. Uh, I don't, I don't know where that in my calculation where a real rate of interest plus inflation ever gets to to three or two. But people have been doing that for a long time. Where, where do you, uh, where do you think we are? We're going to be in six months. Are we still going to be doing the the three to six to nine month T bills. I mean, that'd be okay at four point something percent. Uh, where, where do you think we are? Yeah, I mean, I think right now, um, you know, it's been certainly, you know, if you had been doing the T-bills the last few um, months, as we as we have, you've actually made money on top of just the the, the um, yield that you get on the T-bills. So, uh, yeah, right now, six months is still giving you about 475 off there on six months, and that's really where the peak is. But you're right, rates have come down um, considerably in the last few weeks. And there are two things that are driving that that I think will continue to drive that throughout the year. And that's the flight to quality. So anybody who's concerned about recession, um, and that's whether it be here in the U.S. or abroad, so that's going to continue to put money into our treasury market, and it's going to continue to lower rates. Um, and the other thing is the, is the quest for yield. I mean, we've had the quest for yield for years now, and we've been talking about this for years, and it's... People are looking for yield, and, and now you finally have some yield um, in the bond market. So it's an easy, and it's what we've done, but it's actually an easy shift if you are concerned about the equity market and you're looking for yield. You know, why put your money into um, 3% dividend paying stocks that could be a lot more volatile in the short run, and why not get 45 5%? So we'll probably see, most likely see, another 25 basis point increase. Um, in two weeks, two weeks from now when the Fed meets again. And then the next one after that would be in March, and really it, it depends what's going on, but I'm in the I'm of the belief that we're not going to see any um, cuts by the Federal Reserve. I, I think that's a long way off. So all that being said, I think bonds continue to be a good investment. You look out over the six months, 
you know, if rates on the short end might be a little higher because we're, you know, we're going to have at least one more increase. But I think there's going to be rates on the long end that's going to continue to be buying power that's going to keep rates down. And that's good for, for um, investors that are looking for a little bit of pickup while they're getting that yield, a little bit of pickup in capital um, appreciation. So there's, you know, I'm not, I don't expect to see long-term rates at four or five or six percent um, in six to, ni- in, you know, six to nine months. I do expect to see them about where they are now or even lower. And again, based on demand. And, and as we continue to go through the year, whether or not um, the recession fears are still there, people are going to put some of their money into the safe haven because it's just, you know, recent history. Look at what happened last year to both the equity market and the, and the bond market. And now you have a, a layup trade, if you will. You have an easy trade where you can, where you can get, you know, some decent yield on at least part of your portfolio. So that's going to continue to drive demand in bonds. And, um, I don't think we're going to see any cuts. But even if we did see cuts, that would continue to be good for bonds because as rates go down, prices go up. So I'd say positive, you know, positive outlook for for bonds. And, you know, I would say keep at least some of your, your powder um, in the short-term T-bills because you are getting paid a fair amount more than cash. And you're, it, would add a, it adds a lot of liquidity during a time of uncertainty. So the... The, the, you know, investors in general, I think, are going to continue um, this trend that we've been on the last few months. Well, Dan, the well, I, trend in, in the I'm going to lab a prediction out there, and I'll clean it up. I'll be, I'll be like, Karen, uh, Karen, what's her name? Aaron Burnett said, uh, predictions are like noses. Everybody's got one, and they all not so good. She, well, she was smart enough. She said they're like bottoms, and they all stink. Anyway, but uh, the uh, I'm going to say these guys do 25 basis points, like you're saying a toss-up on whether they do another 25 in March, and I don't think they make a move for the rest of the year to where we're going to stop talking about them. I would, I would agree. I don't think we're going to see anything um, surprising on the, you know, on the the growth side, if you will, or, you know, seeing economic growth. I'm in a conference right now, a virtual conference for a few days, um, talking to managers, CEOs of companies, and primarily on the industrial side, and what they're seeing right now is exactly what I was talking about, this being a year of both contraction and also stabilization. So the good news um, that's coming on the stabilization side is supply chain is, is stabilizing. Um, the raw material costs, the input costs have been high, but they're not necessarily going higher from here. So I don't know when they start coming down, but there's not going to be so much demand that prices will go up from here. So may happen on the commodity side, like in oil, for, you know, periods of time. But in terms of raw materials across the board, I don't think that's going to be a major issue. And the labor issue is going to continue to improve for, for companies as well because as Microsoft and Amazon continue to lay off um, smart kids, smart smart um, employees, places, some of these industrial companies are going to snap up the, you know, the engineers and the tech guys who you know, are, are going to be in high demand still. So it, there's going to be a shift, I think, towards, um, you know, away from, you know, tech and towards some of the, you know, the industrial companies and the cyclical companies. And it's going to actually help stabilize 
um, you know, the, the inflation picture as well. So as the year goes on, I think we're going to see less inflation. I think we're, but I also don't think we're going to see crazy growth. Um, Dan, what do you, when you look out at the tenure, I mean, uh, you know, you and I have been seeing this for damn near way more than a decade now. The, the, uh, the current investor, I'll say the, not that we aren't current, but the, the 35 year old, are the, are they right in the sense that at the end of the day, going forward, we're always going to have essentially negative interest rates where they're never going to match up to uh, a real rate plus inflation. I mean, when you talk about a, a 10-year rate, I'm looking at t- TNX, 3.3. I mean, does anybody really believe that in the, in the next 10 years the average inflation rate won't be at least 3% or 3.5, which, I mean, even if it's way below what it is now, say it's 3.5. Are, are, we, are we destined to have negative real rates of interest that nobody's going to pay you ever for, for your money, like forever? I mean, everybody seems to think that since that's the way it was for the last ten years, that's going to be forever. I, I don't, I don't see that. that, that I mean, that, that, well, that, that people are going to be dumb enough forever to give people money for free. I, you know, I use the yeah, term. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think part of the reason we've had that is just because of the absolute level of rates being so low. So that's 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 part of it, and the absolute level of rates isn't as low as it was, but it's still relatively low. Um, going forward, I think, like I said, with this during this period of stabilization, I think we are going to start seeing a little more of that um, yield, so like say on the tenure, for example, a, a larger portion of that coming from real yield. Um, but again, what tends to be driving the market, this incredible demand for yield, the incredible demand for quality, um, is going to keep a it's going to keep a lid on on rates, even if we continue to see you know if we continue to see hikes from but the, the Fed. But the Fed is draining. Um, the Fed is draining a little of that. I mean, it, it, bit, it's yes. slow, but it's it seems to be somewhat steady. That they're actually draining a little bit. I don't. I mean, I just the whole picture of what the market and the talking heads are giving you really seems totally different to what you and I think the future might hold. I, I mean, I, I, I don't. I mean, I don't. That whole kind. And, and I don't, I'm I'm sort of weirded out, for lack of a better term. How's that for a '70s term? I'm sort of weirded out by the idea that. Somehow, with our massive amount of alleged national news, which really isn't, there's very little news. There's very just all people BSing. But the uh, and, and the, between the years 2020 and and really or 2021 and maybe the start of last year, this year, the the person who had their money in in fixed income probably lost 20 percent. Yeah, I mean in terms of buying power and their money. I mean, I, yeah. Ap- and Absolutely, I, and then they also lost on an absolute basis as well because rates rates have been going up. So it's a yeah, it's been a lose lose. Um, that's why I think staying on the short end, you know, as we've been talking. The other thing that's an interesting what, what what's interesting that's happening, and, and it definitely goes against what we're hearing, you know, from the talking heads is despite the talk, you know, on one hand you're hearing all these people talking about recession and you know coming. Well, first of all, we already had recession. You know, we already had two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. No, 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 Dan. We are in a contractionary period, and this is just the contractionary part of the cycle. But look at high-yield high bonds, and look at the spread on high-yield bonds. That is tightened, and when it tightens, it means there, there's more appetite for high-yield. So we, <clears throat> we've said this before, the average spread, meaning the difference between the yield on the high-yield bond and the yield on a treasury or risk-free, risk-free uh, rate, was 480 or 4.8%. 
That's down to 408, 408, wow. not 480 anymore, 408. And that's come because a lot of people have uh, have considered high yield as a safe alternative. Well, it's also come because there's been more yield now. But what that also indicates is that high yield investors are not seeing default rates pick up. So they're not seeing the severe, you know, like a recession or something worse coming. They might be, you know, they might be saying, hey, we're in this period and it's going to continue to be slow growth and it's or, or no growth maybe, but slow growth at the best. And it's also a period though we're not going to see a whole lot of defaults. So that's what the high yield market is telling us, which is quite different than what the average economist um, or or strategist from you know from from uh, some of the larger banks is saying. And but that's what's happening. That's exactly what's going on. That being said, I would say in terms of investing, if you bought some of these shorter-term high-yield bonds that we've talked about, higher-yielding bonds, hold on to them. You know, they'd be good good holds until maturity. I wouldn't be adding in here to those particular names, like the SVCs or the ADTs or the BPLs, because the yield spread, the, 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 the yield you're getting in addition to what you get on treasuries is not, it, it, it was enough to, to um offset the risk, and now it's probably just about even. And it's very likely, I mean, it's very unlikely that we're going to see anything happen in the next six months um, before most of these bonds mature. So, But that's a trend, I think, that indicates that there is still money out there that is chasing yield, and I don't think, I think that trend is going to continue this year. Well, two things, Dan. One is, uh, in, in this era of, of not only moral relativism, we, we seem to have entered... We're also getting into recession relativism. You can define recession yeah. wherever you want. So it, we, yeah. everybody could be out of work, and, and you might say, no, this isn't a recession. I mean, it's, you get to define it yourself now. It doesn't, right. Exactly. Gets, but, a, but, I mean, when you talk about you know, money around, I was just reading some article last night about all this money on the sidelines. I, I, uh, this article, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think I sent it to you, but I, I, I probably should have. It's by this uh, Sophie Kitterlin. It has to do with... Uh, who, who's Oxfam? I have no idea who they are. Uh, they did a study since 2020. The richest one percent of people have accumulated close to two thirds of all new wealth created around the world. So, if you take the remainder of the people and you take one third of the wealth and you add it, you know, you give it to the rest of the schmoes like 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 us, because uh, we're not in Davos. If we were in Davos, we wouldn't be schmoes. Uh, right. The rest of the schmoes, I'm going to say, inflation. That new wealth creation for for the ninety nine percent did not keep up with inflation. Just off the top of my head, and yeah, I and, agree. I, and I, so if you look at anything like that, virtually everybody's been in a recession for probably three four years. I mean, how how could we not have, with the with the shutdown of the COVID and everything else? And uh, you know, but the, the definition now they get to define it however they feel like it. Well, it's I, I just want, when they talk about all this money, I think the money we're talking about. Is in very few hands. I mean, I mean, you can you can talk to people. I mean, I know you do. I mean, if, I mean, in, in you know, in Florida, all the people, even the guys repairing everybody's houses, they might be having a, a good year. No, there's not there's not a whole lot of discretionary stuff. If those guys go out and buy two new pickup trucks, for God's sake, it's it's right. 150 grand. I mean, for two. Right. I mean, we're we're not even on the on the planet of where we used to be in terms of. People actually having a bunch of dough spilling out of their pocket. I mean, I, I, right. I mean, am I wrong here or not? I mean, there are some no, people I think you're clearly absolutely are. right. I, I totally agree with you on that. It's, um, it, it yeah, the, the the two worlds are not 
you know, the, 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 the world of, that we see as, as investment professionals and that we've seen and that we have history of seeing um, in our perspective is quite different than what we're actually observing, say, from the consumer or from, from investors. One thing that's interesting, and I've had two different clients ask me this, and they're, they're very intelligent people, but they, they were asking me, who is BlackRock? And if you look at most, you know, a lot of companies, um, their largest shareholder beyond, like, say, the family or the insiders is BlackRock. And BlackRock has taken large positions. And you talk about, you know, an organization that represents, um, you know, a large portion of, of investment. Um, you know, they're spread across the board in a lot of industries right now, and they're considered a, you know, they're almost acting like a, you know, uh, you know, because they have a large, such a large position in so many different companies, their their influence has has continued to grow. And I think I would put them in that one percent camp that you're talking about, even though they're an institution. Well, I would I would say yeah, and they, I mean, there, there's obviously there's this management class yes. that, that Eric always talks about that. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna lay off people all over the place. There's no there's no not a snowball's chance in hell that we're gonna cut ten percent of the wages for the top fifty people in these companies. I mean, right, I mean, that's it, very true. Yeah, that's that's. I, mean, um, I would say that's very true in in, in most cases. And, and you and you, yeah. you look at these bank presidents; they're not they're not are they even presidents, or are they just are they just the, the face of the place? They're like the Ted Baxter for God's sake. I mean, they are. <laughs> yeah, no, that that I absolutely agree with. I think that especially what what we've been seeing on um, in the financial media lately. It's it's it's. I, in, in fact, I've asked myself the same question: as you know. Well, who have they become? You know, they're not necessarily the people that we had listened to in the past. You know, the strategist or economist no. that we listened to in the past. These are people running banks. And what's interesting, you know, talking about banks, for example, is just I know at least with some of the banks, um, and I've had personal experiences that the level of customer service has gone down tremendously. And what we're seeing on the ground here, if you will, are bank, you know, banks closing their brick and mortar. Um, uh, offices, and we're seeing you know a lot less customer service and a lot more expectation that the consumer does you know everything on their own on their phone. But there's still there is still a fair amount of activity that needs to be done with a bank representative, and I'm fi- I'm seeing that you know as I'm seeing people talk about oh yeah we like the earnings of, of Bank of America we think they you know they have all this upside potential. Well, if the upside potential is based on the fact that they're cutting staff and they're cutting offices as especially down here where we're growing my local bank of america um closed and we have tremendous growth here in this area so it just doesn't add up and i know they're trying to shift towards people working online but a lot of the older folks that live including me that live live here you know still like to be able to go in and and there are still many transactions that you need to do face to face well there's one one thing nice about uh well, I guess there's a few things. Maybe there's one thing nice about living Chicago, Illinois, is there, there even to this day, Dan, there are uh, there's a huge menu of banks ready to service yes. you. I mean, in, I mean, some areas, obviously, branch banking would have gone you know, 100 years ago, but uh, or was able to do it. But here, I mean, there's still. I mean, within within a thousand yards of our office, there's probably seven banks. Of, of the, you know, yeah, and because so, the ones who are going to provide the best service are going to get get yeah. people's business. Yeah, and, and then there's, but I, I've, uh, I know you're not. I got to ask you another couple questions here. I, I've been talking to a lot of my clients, and uh, and a lot of them, you know, without going to names or details or anything like that, which I would never do. Neither would you. Uh, there's a lot of people 
well, is, is evidenced by how much the stocks went up and down. There's a lot of people that really have a lot of money invested in, I'm going to say, the FANGs plus Apple plus Microsoft. Is that a fair assessment? I mean, for God's sake, they're 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 fifty percent of the QQQ, so it's and some huge percentage of the S and P. So it's not a it's not a shocker to anybody that you know there's a lot of people that have a lot of those stocks, and you know maybe some of them bought them real low and whatever. But I guess the question I'm having with uh, with a lot of people, not just one or two, is their portfolios might be you know forty percent, fifty percent those stocks, man, and the and those stacks have all basically, there's no way to sugarcoat it, have gotten their ass kicked. And the last right. year they're down, you know, how many trillion dollars? I did the, I did the, uh, the math a few weeks ago. I should do it again. It's even worse because Tesla's lower. Uh, some of them, I, oh, Tesla, if you add that in there, so I mean, that, that'd make it the fangs plus, plus another three. I'm, you know, and, and the question is, should we hang in there? And you got some, you know, I'll say a buffoon like Kramer saying, we're seeing who the weak hands are, essentially accusing people that sell out of these things now as being a bunch of weenies. Well, okay, that's you and I know people make investments decisions for reasons other than testosterone, but I mean, maybe you don't have any money left. That could be one of them, you know, type of thing. Hey. Uh, so, but I, I, I get this. Matter of fact, I did ask a couple clients yesterday. I said, you know, I, I, I think the market will eventually come back. I, and I, you know, I'm, I'm bullish on the. I, I'm just not convinced if we're going to have still 50% of our portfolio in any one of these seven stocks or, or a mix of them, are we sure we got the right stocks? I mean, I, I, I keep harking, I shouldn't, maybe I should have been, I should be younger. I harken back to 2000 when obviously the market has come way back from 2000, but not in those stocks. I mean, I mean do I really know that, that Amazon and Tesla, if, if, we, if we break out this year and the, and, the, and the recession is short-lived and all of a sudden we Start doing a hell of a lot better, which I sure hope happens. Do I really know that the stocks I want to be in are Amazon, Tesla, and uh, Facebook and uh, Netflix? I, I don't know. I don't know that at all, Dan. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll our strategy, as you know, is t- we tend to like we tend to look more at smaller cap companies where we find value that have stories that are names that don't trade with the market, and we've done well in that. And we we certainly protected a lot of capital last year when all those. Um, Big tech names were selling off. What I what I would say is just look at the just the beginnings of what's happening with these layoffs. You know, Microsoft and and Amazon and and Facebook, and look at the layoffs in an indication of what I go back to referring to as that stabilization and contraction that we're going through in the in the economy. So I, you know, for for those people who sold out. Um, after they made a certain amount of money, I would call them heroes. I would actually say, hey, you know, you made your money. You were smart enough to get out. I don't see as much upside in those names other than people chasing um, the names based on either just their recent experience saying, you know, hey, the same thing as if they had bought a home that, that you know, has gone up a lot in the last 10 years and saying now that it's up 10, you know, 10 years, um, okay, the house down the street is, is down 1%, so I'm going to buy that house as well. And that's not what you would do. You, you would have to look at the big picture of what's going on. And I think the big picture is there is going to be contraction. And I do think the healthy thing for the economy is having some competition um, from other smaller players that maybe are in certain niches that are, um, you know, that's, where I, that's who I would rather give my capital to because I think that those players can actually 
have an edge, and you can also probably make more money in them um, going forward. These other names, you know, sort of getting too big, the same thing with the banks. You get to a certain point where you can't provide that level of customer service, as we were talking about with banks, or you can't provide that level of, you know, the products or, you know, things become so um, structured and, and, you know, when they grow that large that they lose a lot of that nimble ability they had when they were starting out. And I don't know that just because you know, you made money in those names at one point in time that this is the time to continue to load up. I, I would say this is the time to look elsewhere. Well, I got one more kind of a follow-up question, then we got to dash. I mean, there is, even you and I, you know, they're supposed to be Mr., uh, you know, always follow the numbers and be very rigorous. Even I have, you and I have the idea that if a stock is trading 60 and all of a sudden it's 30, unless something egregious happened, you know, the people who paid 60 must have thought that they knew something, at least thought they knew something. And, and it probably is at least a relative buy at 30. I mean, you and I, I mean, no matter what, you and I are going to at least have a, a we're going to maybe enter the, the argument with that that uh, thought. I, I just think the last few years with the Fed pouring all that money in and so many stocks trading, you know, 350 that are now 100, I don't. I think the 350 is a total fictitious number. I don't, I don't, I don't think the 100, it may be a buy at 100, but not because it used to be 350 at all. You know, I mean, it's, it, if, if ever that mentality made some sense, that the things are a big discount, now I don't think it makes any sense because the money was all pushed in. That, that, that is, I think, 100% true. And I think the other thing that goes along with that is that fear of missing out. And it's funny how we haven't heard that, that phrase mentioned in a long time. But no, no. so many people were afraid that they weren't going to be able to jump on the train but at a certain point, it, it just starts slowing down. You know, it's just, and, and when things are overvalued, which I really believe they were, if you look on, on a fundamental basis, and you have companies that don't necessarily have positive free cash flow, you, there's no way that you can count on those companies to continue at that, that same pace. So it's that momentum, it's the herd mentality. That's how we make money, is by staying out of those names or knowing when to step in and buy. And I think that's what we do as investment managers. Yep is knowing when to time it, not just saying, hey, I like that stock, everybody else is buying it. And by the way, you know, Amazon is a great company. I like getting, you know, packages on a personal level. You can see why it makes sense. But you got to do more. you got to do your homework, and you've got to really understand the valuation and, and whether the valuation is true. And, and you're right. I think all that excess money that went into the market to the economy over the last few years just continue to drive those prices up even more well, Dan, we got a dash bud thank you very much talk at you next sure. week and uh, we'll, yep. have to rem- we'll only remember these predictions if we're right just saying SP Futures are down 38 and Nasdaq is down 127 be right back Mr. John Flanagan How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas. 
ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Rope Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 33. NASDAQ Futures down 107. We've been pretty steady at this uh, 30 to 33 number, so it doesn't look like we're dying to move, make a move in any direction right here. The VIX is back up 2162. Uh, it was under 20 for a while last week. And actually, a couple of people said every time it gets down that low, you got to watch for the market going down. I guess they were somewhat uh, clairvoyant in that, shall we say. Uh, we have the Dow Futures. Let me, let me get the, the right page here. We have the Dow Futures. Are, uh, they've been down. These guys were down 600 yesterday. They were down 300 the day before. And now today they're down 282. So that's. By my calculation, that's pushing 1,200 points in three days. It's like a real lot. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX is uh, down 269. It's 1.8%. That's lower than it was last time we talked. Or we talked about the DAX. Uh, FTSE down 101.3%. Kick around down 130. That's a full 1.8% as well. So down pretty heavy over there. Uh, yesterday's a wave review. Dow down 613. S&P down 62. NASDAQ down 138. It's, the day started with the S&P up... 25, so we're down 87 points on the swing yesterday. It's a, it's a lot. Uh, Nikkei down 385. That's 1.5%. Hang Seng down 27. Very steady at 21,650. Shanghai is actually up 15 points, 30, 32.40. Uh, bonds. 
up three basis points, 3.40. The Bund up seven basis points, 2.08. So bouncing off that 2% number, almost got two yesterday. Uh, Japan down two, uh, down two base points, 40.41 after being 0.59 Tuesday morning, which was, you know, crazy. Uh, oil down 16 cents, back under 80, 79.32. Brent down 9 cents, 84.89. Natural gas down 3 cents, 3.28. Arbob up a penny, 2.53. Arbob's been inching up from like the 220 number to 2.53. Plus, you have the new taxes in Illinois. It means you're paying 3.50 something for gas, even in the burbs. Well, it was down under three bucks there for a little bit. Gold up 5.40, 19.12. Silver up fi- down 15 cents, 23.49. Copper down three cents, 4.20. We've got Bitcoin down 22 bucks, still well over 20,000 at 20,749. Despite Jamie Dimon saying it's a total fraud, uh, okay, uh, you know, he may be right, but he's not exactly moving the market this morning. Uh, over the dollar, we're. Uh, we're down a little bit against the euro, up a little bit against the pound. 108 to the euro, 123 to the pound, so not too much change. Andrew, what do you got for us, Travis Weather Sports? All right, it is 7.37 here on January 19th. Uh, tonight, uh, we're starting with sports. We can look forward to the Bulls playing the Pistons at 2 p.m. and the Suns playing the Nets at 9 p.m. Also tonight, the Blackhawks are going to be playing the Flyers at 6 p.m. and the Coyotes are going to be playing the Capitals at 8 p.m. Now over to Chicago weather, it is currently 39 degrees, cloudy, rainy, and it's going to be lowering to about 32 later in the day. Over in Phoenix, they're at 40 degrees, mostly clear skies, and it's going to be raising to about 59 degrees throughout the day. Now for uh, Chicago traffic, generally the inbound expressways are looking pretty crowded today. Uh, Only one accident to note, which is on the outbound Eisenhower near Wolf Road. An accident is uh, blocking left lane there, causing very heavy delays on the way out. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Do we have Mr. Flanagan? Good morning, Tom. Hey, John, how are you? Good, you? Nice to hear your voice after the the Monday crowd has been getting... Yeah, yeah, the Monday crowd's been getting toasted here by the calendar. (laughs) I'm developing bad habits, Tom. I've been sleeping in on Monday. Oh, God, you can't can't, can't be starting to do that. You've got to be up reading the news just in case, you know. (laughs) So what's up with you? What's up in... uh, in, in legal land, anything? I was with a couple of guys last night, and uh, one guy was an arbitrator, another dude is a uh, a, ju- a retired judge. Interesting. I always get good stories out of those guys. <laughs> it's a, um, it's a there's a lot of different worlds going on at the same time, aren't there? In the, yeah, well, the, the judges have a pretty good you know pipeline of what's going on. Really, I mean, they see things I don't see or you don't see, and and they see trends that I can't identify too. So that that is pretty interesting. <laughs> Well, you know, it, the uh, the interesting, well, one of the interesting parts about this, this, well, what do they call it? I don't forget the name of the law, but the one is essentially gets rid of cash bail, which now is on hold, right, by the Supreme Court. Safety Act, yeah. Um, ev- everybody to the outside, especially every every conservative there is, uh, is saying, oh, man, we just going to let all these guys out. Yet everybody in the system I've talked to means that people aren't getting out. Because if there's if, if if there's no if there's no there's no uh, hook like the cash bail or, or you know having some some money some some deposit that somebody's going to show up, I mean every every bail hearing now is going to be uh, almost like you know bring evidence, you know to the thing what you know what is how guilty really is this guy? I mean the, the trial has to be almost at the bail hearing, right. and it, and it, if anybody's any kind of danger, you know they're not going to get let out. It's it's, it's it, it, some people think it's going to totally backfire. And what the what the alleged intent of it was? 
I, I tend to agree with those people, Tom, and um, an interesting parallel to this developing um, where, you know, 100 of the 102 state's attorneys in Illinois um, bolted on the Safety Act and signify their opposition to it. you got a similar thing now with the assault rifle ban where you got 90 sheriffs saying they're not going to enforce it. Um, this this kind of, you know, whatever the legality of it, it just means there's going to be lawsuit after lawsuit no matter what happens. But it shows there's a real disconnect between what's going on in the legislature and what's going on on the streets. And, you know, those entrusted with, you know, enforcing whatever laws come out of the legislature are not having any of this. And I, I think that's that's a new thing. I don't remember any kind of response or concerted response like we're seeing in those directions, and I guess it's inevitable at some point, but it shows that there's been a kind of watershed here where people just aren't going to take it anymore at the local level, and maybe that's a good thing. Well, I mean, it, it's always been, <laughs> I'm going to show my, I guess my south side roots here, it's always been the revolt of the big people. I mean, it, 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 the, big, the big firms in our industry never paid attention to, to anything right or wrong. Right. In a trading floor, the bigger the firm they were, the bigger scumbag they were, in just about every case. You know, I mean, and they, and they they were they were they were they were they walked without prosecution. You couldn't spank them. You know, it was it was that was the deal. And uh, you know, and, and now you look at you look at the markets even in, in on a daily basis, and the three or four or five firms that to provide all the markets where a thousand people used to do. You look at a market; the market's illegal. Yeah, who, who do you even call? Ghostbusters. I mean, there's no, there's no place even to call. There's not, there's not even any dialogue of how bad some of the markets are, how they go, they go wide when they shouldn't, and things like that. There's no, there's nobody even to call. So for, for, like for the first time, we're getting like a little bit of revolt on the downside. And I, you know, I, this whole, this whole gun thing, I, I understand for sure on the, on the, the gun rights people. They don't want the camel's nose under the tent because all of a sudden, once regulation gets rolling, it just keeps rolls over everybody. I mean, I I, I really understand that because I've seen it firsthand. But by the same token, as as much as I abhor what's going on in the streets here, and I don't think you could possibly tell somebody they couldn't have a gun for protection if they're wandering around somewhere in the middle of the night for their job or something. I mean, I mean, you can't you can't coach fear. But I know of of two people <laughs> that I won't name. One unfortunately has passed. Uh, that showed me their new toy, and it was a freaking assault weapon, weapon, Jen, with some huge clip. And the thought of anybody needing that thing, give me a break. You can't carry it anywhere. <laughs> the only reason why you're taking that somebody is to shoot up a parade, or because you're going to war in Ukraine. I mean, what? It's it's not it's not for somebody coming into your house. God help you, you'd be spraying the whole neighborhood across the street. I mean, I mean, any any thought of that thing being needed for your self defense is crazy, in my opinion. I mean, I you know, I mean, so but but now Lou and other people will say everything they define as assault bans is an assault weapon really isn't. You know, I mean, I get that. You know, Carl, I'm sure will lecture me tomorrow after I said this today. But I did my concealed carry class. I mean, they're showing you how to load the 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 what do you call it the, the magazine on the automatic pistol, and I think you're supposed to. The Chicago law is 8 or 10, but you can get them that have 16 or 20 because they go in diagonally. I mean, I, it's a little bit I remember because I don't think I'd get an automatic anyway. I'd probably be an old wheel gun guy. I'd probably get a detective special if I ever did something, John. How's that? I'll, I'll just stick with the Derringer. Yeah, yeah, so, you know what? They got, 
They have some really good derringers. You're, yeah, I, I got. I, I'm going to send you some stuff. So genteel. But you know, also, they have, you can have two different types of calibers, and there one is designed right. to take down a bear, right? Because I don't know what it's going to do to your hand with, with that thing goes up. But anyway, so I, so the idea of needing a like a 16 clip either tells me you're an awful shot, or you don't care who, who behind the person is. You, so that that has been the law in Chicago for a while. So they tried to put the law in the state, saying you know the clip can only be eight or ten or whatever. Which to me, I don't really have an issue with that. The issue, I guess, that they should make any laws whatsoever. I guess maybe that's the real issue. But come on, I mean, at what level does somebody not get to walk down the street? Would you know? Why, why can't I put? I tell you what, I really need. I need. I need a, a machine gun on the top of my, the top of my truck for going down the Dan Ryan, that I can remotely remote control. That's what I really need. That's what I'm liable to get lit nailed, right? Well, I think if you, if people felt they had police forces that could go head to head with whatever kind of threat was out there people wouldn't see any kind of percentage in being armed to the teeth right oh without a doubt without the a prob- doubt the problem now is i mean and this is if the safety act is just part of a general relaxation of things that the police used to be there to spring into action so that now if you've got tr- you know a trespass on your property if somebody comes and sits on your you know front steps or, or sleeps in your vestibule or whatever, um, the police are, you know, it's not going to be in any great hurry to get rid of them. No, but you're not going to rake them with your assault rifle either. No, but, but when you don't have any kind of protection against no, that kind of thing zero. happening and the police just stand back and watch it and are, are prohibited from doing anything about it, everybody feels like everything that used to be taken for granted in, in your personal security is off the table and it's a whole new ball game now and if everybody who's trying to get my property or my phone or my car is armed at the teeth and by god i gotta be too that's the mentality and i perfectly understand it <laughs> well jan we need we need, i mean i was listening to the different mayors mayor wannabes the other day talking about more cameras more this more that jan what what we need <laughs> We don't need because nobody needs to get hurt or killed. What we need is for two idiots to jump out of a car and try and carjack somebody, and while they're shooting at him, a police car to be right there and shoot back at him, and and they're done. That's we need we need interdiction. We need enough people around where they can actually stop some of this. Yep, and, and enough trust in the in the whole system for people to talk about what's going on and be willing to come forward, which is 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 never really talked about. But but the the infiltration of the gang mentality is so deep and impenetrable now that I just don't see the, the, the neighborhoods where the gangs hold sway are ever going to rebel against this. They're not, they don't feel comfortable reporting anything. No, no, there's no way. Anonymous tips, and until that, how how will that change? I have no idea. But it's not it's not something that is is it, 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 that has to change before you get any kind of improvement in this. In the meantime, it's it's just ever more. Of, you know, aggressive victimization of people who are already terrorized. Well, when you when you look, Jen, I mean, obviously nobody likes to see a, a an egregious Floyd situation or anything like that. I mean, no, no, nobody wants anything like that to happen ever to anybody who's unarmed or innocent or whatever. Maybe not totally innocent, but still didn't deserve to get shot. Nobody wants to see any of that, any of this, you know, police crap that has gone on for a while. And it's always the same people, right? But basically, your, your police department is not like that. I don't believe that. But when you look at the numbers, I mean, I don't, I don't want. I mean, I, I know this is walking down a plank here, but when you look at how many, what did we have last year, eight, eight hundred murders and, and 
3,000 shooting, some number. I'll get I'll get the number tomorrow from G- Hey Jackass. But and you see 10 police shootings. That means out of 3,000 people that were shooting people, nobody ever got interdicted. Nobody ever. Nobody ever. I mean, w- did would you ever see in Dodge City? That there were 500 murders and, and Matt, no, Matt Dillon never fired his gun? Well, he, he wouldn't have had that job. <laughs> he wouldn't have had the job. <laughs> I mean, somewhere along the line... We could have found somebody who would do that job. <laughs> I mean, some, someplace, somewhere, when people are shooting at each other on the Dan Ryan, police need to surround the car, say pull over when they don't riddle the car. I don't want to see any... You know, nobody's more gentle than me, but for God's sake, this, this needs to stop. <laughs> I mean, at, at some point, when the police became involved in any situation this was you know it should be you know and it used to be a wake-up call that now that the ante has been raised considerably you don't start firing indiscriminately you don't retaliate against a police you know representative unless you're perfectly willing to go to the gas chamber yeah. or with the electric chair for doing it and it, it, all all the complications that, that, that you know you you can't have people saying that the, the police are fair game but we've not taken the, the you know, opposite position that the police are more of a threat than they are a solution, and that's what's dictating how, even in the Safety Act, the accountability of the police, we're, we're more afraid of what the police can do than remembering what the yeah, police are there to do. So I, 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 just, I, I think you should be afraid of a police force to the extent that what they do requires your cooperation under penalty of retaliation, including... You know, ultimate force, and, and and if people do not respond that way, and people view the police as just anybody else, then then you've got a completely you know paralyzed you know criminal justice system. Well, it's a few times, and boy, you don't want to see this go too far. The few times people have been doing some crap in, in malls in the last year, and, and the, the guy who was doing the shooting got shot. It was from somebody with a gun, not a policeman, not a security person. And I'd say, thank God, somebody was there. Well, yeah, you? but that's but that's not what you want. No, but but but, and if somebody doesn't do that, um, then you you have a lot more lives lost ultimately, which yeah. is, is I guess what you don't want. But it's but it seems like there's there's no way that, that that anybody wants to really take the chance to do this with enough force that people maybe are just discouraged, you know, to do this. But it, 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 otherwise, it's just it's facilitating or enabling it, and I, I think that's that's a one way street. Well, hey, I. John, what do you make of uh, the, the the layoffs that that are uh, are are coming? And, what, and we've been talking this week, and I don't know if you've been listening, roughly about how do we how do we how do we get enough certainty? And man, you and you talk to a lot of people. How do we get enough economic? I'm not talking about that, that everything's going to be good. Okay, I mean that's you never you never get that kind of certainty. When I mean, every time you start a business, I mean I've started my whole life. I mean every one of them is a risk, right? I mean that's you know, that, that, but that's part of the game. That's it, actually part of the fun, right? <laughs> if anybody can do it, you know, you don't want to, type of thing. Uh, but I mean, every time when people open up a bar, they know there's a fifty percent chance or more of a thing folding. Uh, but people do it. You now, to the extent they use other people's money, that's another story. But a lot of people use their own. Uh, I I'm very concerned, John, and I don't know what the solution is. And if if you stuck me somewhere and said, okay, give me your ten things you want to do. I see the imbalance in cost of capital between big firms and little firms, not just as being big, but being unjustified. I don't, I don't think Amazon should be borrowing a two percent when other people are paying twelve. I really don't. I mean, I, I don't think you should have to, if you've, nev- if you've uh, never missed a payment, I don't think you should have to 
put up your house for your for your seventh plumbing truck, you know, like that. Frank wants you to do. I, I mean, she, and in this area, we have a lot of smaller banks. It's probably a little easier, maybe. Uh, but I, I, I don't, I don't want somebody to to put together a, a, a factory that starts um, making generic drugs only to say, okay, it's it's okay to put them all back in China two years from now. I, I don't, I don't want this the winds blowing from government the way they are. And it's not just the Democrats, it's the Republicans too. I mean, I, w- I want these guys to, to just chart a, a stable future, let people know what's happening, let the Federal Reserve grow the money supply at 3% like they're supposed to, or 25 or whatever the hell it is, and just just get out of people's way and, le- and, and, and get the regulations off people's behind. You know, not, not, not you know, uh, pe- people should want to uh, hire, you know, I mean, I'm not saying you should hire who you want to hire because obviously you shouldn't discriminate, but by the same token, um, you know, somebody, that's why if you have a, if you have a bazillion firms, somebody's not, I mean, somebody's going to pick up somebody who uh, is, is, the, is the wrong color or religion just because they're a good buy, right? It's like anything else. I mean, it, we, we need to let, somehow or another, we got to get out of some people's way. Nobody should ever discriminate. Nobody should any of that stuff, but... I really don't see people doing that. I mean, I, no, and we shouldn't yeah. discriminate against ability. No, either. So. No, I, I mean, we need we need somehow or another to, to say somebody if if I put up my money, can go get a loan, I can and I can I can be in this business that now I'm going to support manufacturing companies around here that look to me like they're all kind of growing. And by the way, some of them are wearing out. The stuff my nephew does, and we're going to be in the business of, or we're in the business. We're going to expand so we can service more. So if somebody needs these parts for the machines that are 30 years old instead of six months, I get into them in six weeks or four weeks. I mean, I, I think this is a good deal going forward. I don't, I don't want a total change in, uh, you know, the next Republican guy gets in and says, hey, there's a lot of money to be made in China. Let's just buy stuff over there. It's cheaper. By the way, they're using slave labor. I can make more money. I, I, don't, I don't want that change from either side. I want some sort of a, as, as much as you can, some sort of a, of a national will going forward, and I don't see that coming at all here. Do you? No, and, and unfortunately, the, the the corruption behind foreign money in academia, just as one example, has come out with the, the you know the Penn Biden Center this past week, where you got universities that are perfectly happy going you know after money in huge amounts, and you know trading their souls and missions in the process too, and then still gouging their students. Um, well, th- these are not supposed to be p- profit centers. They're not supposed to be like NGOs. They're supposed to be, in, a, in essentially a, a generous industry of giving education to people who are capable of acquiring it and you know adhere to the to the institution standards. Instead, it's just become um, it's just you know it's a profitability center, and with with all sorts of compromises in their ethics and morals in the process. Now I would. I disagree on one one point. Uh, is the word you're using, and we need, we need a new word. And I don't know you, you or maybe Eric are, my, are two wordsmiths. We need a new word because the word profit is all bleeped up. It has nothing. Oh, it to, is. It has nothing oh. to do with profit. It has to do what you're describing is more Eric's view of the managerial class. Right. It's it's a it's a power thing. That, you know, it's 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 financially sensitive of course but it's all it's more really about you know throwing your weight around in, in ever higher echelons um in the examples you've talked about on the show tom where you've got you know announcing layoffs by microsoft or 
banks or whatever, and this immediately transfers in the market's view. Oh, th- this means greater, you know, profitability because now they've got a smaller payroll. They're going to get rid of the fast. They're going to be making more money. This is this is not how it, it looks to me, though. No, it doesn't mean that they're going to be running the place any better. If anything, it means they're going to be running it less well because they've, they've got rid of some very good people among those layoffs. And it isn't like they're just going to immediately spring into a, a more efficient mode than they ever knew before. But but profitability is is just this absolutely, you know, kind of too neutral term for you know, who's skimming the most off of what pot of money you're well, you, at it, the just, moment. These people, I'm going to say categorically, could care less about the quote shareholders unless they oh, are one. You know, I mean, about them. Yeah. Well, I'll give you an example this week. We've been in a few minutes. Our alma mater, who's turned into God knows what, they've turned into a corporation in my mind, Notre Dame, uh, they just came out with this study that says that basically uh, uh, executive salaries, CEO salaries, and the boards, what a, essentially the sum was that they really do a good job. <laughs> I'm like, you know, that, that, you know they, they, they give people big raises when they deserve it, and then they don't when they don't. And I'm like, who paid for that? Now, some, somebody ponied up that donor. Whether they already gave them the conclusion or not, I don't know. Somebody, it's, it's like the Harvard study of how safe it was with COVID to be on an airplane. It was safer than being walking along the beach. I mean, there, can there be anybody dumb enough to believe that? I mean, I, I, whatever. You, I mean, you, don't, you don't have to look far in private industry or in the public sector to find people in way over their heads. <laughs> well, so, so I'm going to say, so say Notre Dame got half a million bucks for this study. That's not profit. Now, whether it goes into somebody's salary or whether it goes, it goes someplace. I mean, and I, I refuse to believe the part it means more kids can go to you know Sudan and work on houses in the summer. I mean, I guess I could believe that, but I'm not that naive. I mean, wh- where does all the money go at, at Commonwealth Edison in a big year? They're not they're not going to raise their, their, their they want raises or people's gas too for the next ten years. They just put all the stuff in billions of dollars. That's not going to the shareholders. It's going to get skimmed by the people, the management class along the way. So the, the term, and, I, and I'm challenging you, and I'm going to do the same thing to Eric, we need a new term. It's not profit. What, what would it be? Well, it, it, gravy is probably the first word that comes to mind. <laughs> There's a good one. Something you can spread around, and yeah. then, you know, it, it's, it's not really something you have to account for to shareholders, um, but it's, it's something, it's pretty tasty, and it's hard to do without it once you get used to it. I mean, Notre Dame is a non-profit institution, yet... There's more profit there than any place. Of course. <laughs> well, we need a new term for non-profits, I think. Well, the term profit is, profit means that if, if, if you, well, I mean, <laughs> I guess if you're, I'm not going to say everyone, but I know a lot of people invested in, like, these big restaurants. And everybody who invested, even the most successful ones, the profit never got to them. There was always some, buy, there, was, there was never any profit for the people who put up the dough, or maybe it was a very, very little bit. There's always people that do the skimming. I'm going to be a skimmer for a while. What do you think? Right. I mean, prop, profit sharing, where has that term gone, Tom? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. That was, that was you know, a perk in getting hired at some place because there's a profit sharing program. I, I wouldn't know how such a program would look today or how it would Well, they used to have work. suggestion boxes where you put something right. in and where if, <laughs> you know, if, if you can, if you can, this machine could work a little better with this tweak and you did the tweak, but you got a little, like little bonus. Like a machine. You, you got a little bonus. When you put the thing in. So, anywho, uh, we might, we're going to have uh, Kevin and Mr. Murphy on tomorrow talking a little bit about uh, some, uh, procurement in the military with Mike and some other stuff. Should be interesting. I, 
I keep watching all these. What did Kevin say? There's 1,300 people in the portal now? This, this, whatever the Supreme Court did to college athletics, do they have any idea a, what they did and, and how they did it, or are they just totally clueless? I, I think they're clueless. They'll wake up and see at some point, but it'll be too late. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not so sure what they did was wrong. I just, I don't think right, they... Right. I, <laughs> I don't think they, they understand a lot of what they're doing. Maybe unintended consequences might be a good thing. So. I was like, what was it? Cry havoc and let Luke's the dogs of war. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> That's what a war looks like? <laughs> SB Futures down 28 and SB Futures down 89. Hopefully we'll bounce up a little bit here, but I don't look at it right now. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708 403 2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1 800 821 4968.